HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Neil's Yard Dairy, selecting, maturing, and selling farmhouse cheese from the UK and Ireland. For more information, visit neilsyarddairy.uk.co. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze, and today we're talking all about cheese guilds. On the line, I have Anthea Stoltz, Executive Director of the California Artisan Cheese Guild. Thank you so much for coming on, Anthea. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. It's a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. In the studio, I'm really happy to have Sue Miller of Birch Run Hills Farms in Birch Runville, Pennsylvania, and Rachel Fritz Schall of Parish Hill Creamery in Westminster, West Vermont. Uh, Rachel's president of the Vermont Cheese Council. Uh, Sue is one of the founding members of the, uh, the Chester County Cheese Artisans in Pennsylvania. Um, and thanks to you both for coming into the studio with me today. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great. It's great to see you. Um, I get lonely in here sometimes. I've had a lot of phone guests lately, so now mm-hmm. a very full studio. I'm really happy about it. Um, <laughs> but I'm happy to have you on the phone, too, Anthea. To know that, that, that as many, as well, many. I, I wish I could be there in person, too, Greg. Uh, uh, so before we get into the tough questions, or um, I was thinking, um, Anthea, we could start with you. Uh, maybe you could just explain to our listeners what a cheese guild is and how it's different from other cheese organizations out there, like the Cheese Coalition, um, or the American Cheese Society, for example. Absolutely. So here in California, the California Artisan Cheese Guild has been around since 2006. Uh, we didn't get our official nonprofit status until 2008, but we're a statewide nonprofit organization that's made up of, uh, in the case of California, and I know this isn't necessarily the case for other cheese guilds out there, we have cheese maker members, we have cheese trade members, and we also have cheese enthusiast members. Um, all working together to execute our mission, which is to celebrate the quality and diversity of artisan cheese produced in California uh, with partnerships, outreach, and education. That was pretty concise and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Rachel? Is that, what's, a, what's a cheese guild to you in general? Um, I would say very similar to what Anthea said. Um, we also have three tiers of membership. 
Um, the Vermont Cheese Council was started in 1996 uh, with a dozen cheesemakers, and we're now up to 50 as of uh, 2015. It's pretty awesome. That's a pretty big growth. And um, why are cheese guilds important? I guess that's the question I really wanted to ask. Um, I'll throw that to you, Sue. Like, why, why is it important for, for cheesemakers to, for people to be part of the cheese guild? Well, I feel it's so important for the cheesemakers not to be isolated in their work. You know, there's a tremendous networking opportunity being associated with a guild. The guild can provide um, educational opportunities, marketing opportunities. And, you know, it's just good to have people that you can bounce ideas off of. What about what about uh, so so why should it, so the, so why should a cheesemaker join like why, why should they join the guild why like like the, uh, it's a lonely life at the vet <laughs> <laughs> and in the cave uh, yeah I think you know we don't have a strong history of apprenticeships um, or the traditional training a lot of people start off. Um, just because they have animals, or a love of, of milking animals, uh, trying to save the farm, perhaps uh, come from a, um, a culinary background, or just love cheese and want to make cheese. But um, there's not a lot of formal training, uh, certainly not years of training anywhere except for Wisconsin. Um, so I think that the Guild is a, plays a really important role in providing community, uh, providing support, like Sue was saying, um, an opportunity to to get together with and share experiences with folks who are going through some of the similar trials, and hopefully you don't have to recreate wheels over and over. Yeah, uh, Wisconsin is the only guild that is is cheesemakers only, right? Is that the is the other the other guilds are yours is open to the public as well, correct? Well, we have uh, our system is that primary membership is. Um, just cheesemakers actively making cheese with the permit, with a milk handler's license for cheesemaking. Um, there are a couple of exceptions for people uh, in the industry or people who have shown an exceptional uh, dedication to the work that we do. Same for you, Anthea, out there. So so for us, um, the three classes of members that I mentioned earlier, only cheesemaker members and cheese trade members have voting rights. Um, and our enthusiast members can belong. Um, it's less costly, and they also don't actually have any voting rights, uh, but it's a nice way for them to be able to support the California cheese community. Um, and we do require that all of our cheesemaker members um, are producing cheese in a licensed creamery here in California. And how do you guys all work together with the ACS? Like, uh, what's the connection there? And, and Thea, I'll throw that to you. Oh, uh, great question. Well, um, I don't know how long uh, the other representatives we have in studio have been with their guilds. Uh, for us in California here, uh, I am the, the first executive director that the Cheese Guild has had, uh, and awesome. I just started last March. Uh, so in many ways, we are, we're carving a new path forward um, and I think trying to figure out how we can best work with the American Society. Uh, Nora Weiser, the executive director of the American Cheese Society, uh, I think has done a really great job reaching out to the guilds um, with uh, respect for the annual um, Guild Breakfast that happens every year at the conference, um, as well as trying to work with regional and local guilds uh, to shore up support for the upcoming FDA listening session that's happening next week in Washington, D.C. I'm sorry, on Thursday. It's Monday. Right. 
Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and add for us in Chester County in Pennsylvania, you know, we're a very small group in the, the Chester County area. But one of the ways we've worked with ACS is, you know, when the, the whole regulatory issue came up about wood boards, we wanted to be able to get accurate information out to our members about what was happening. And uh, we reach, reached out to Christine Hyatt, and she immediately put us in touch with Nora Weiser. We got accurate information that we could bring back to our members. And I think that's a really important role of the guild because the members are so busy. If you're at Farmstead and you're milking animals and you're making cheese and you're marketing cheese, or even for an artisanal producer, you know, it's hard to be on top of everything going on in the regulatory issue. So that support was really essential for us in Pennsylvania. That's pretty awesome. Same for you? Uh, yes. I would agree with both of the, my co-speakers. Um, we also, the Vermont Cheese Council, we've been around for 20 years now, but we uh, I was actually one of the first paid employees. I was the coordinator for four years, um, and now I'm in my second year as president. We now have a full-time executive director, Tom Bivens, and he's done a wonderful job of connecting with the ACS, working with um, the folks there to try and make sure that the lines of communication stay open, that we are kept in the loop and in the know as as things develop vis-a-vis regulation changes, but also um, finding out about other opportunities, uh, whether it's presentations at the annual conference or um, any kind of webinars, uh, making sure that our membership is aware of what opportunities are available through the ACS. That's fantastic, Anthea. What's your like? What's the biggest challenge you've uh, you've come up in like in directing the guild, or what are the biggest challenges in maintaining it that you've run into? What a question! Um, uh, California is a big state, and we have a lot of cheesemakers concentrated in Marin and Sonoma counties, uh, just north of San Francisco. Uh, but certainly, that's not all of our membership. But they are a, they are a vocal. A vocal majority. Uh, so I think one of the challenges that I've had is in such a large state trying to figure out how we can be um, inclusive and, and make sure that we're serving all of our membership uh, throughout this big state with the fairly limited resources that we have right now. What about for you, Rachel? Same thing. I'm sitting here nodding, nodding <laughs> assent. Um, yeah, it's it's a difficulty trying to um, we have great ideas and um, lots of plans and opportunities and it's how to fund them and uh, and also how to have the the human capital to to get those things done um, I think that in the past the financial concerns are always concerning um, because there's always more that you could do and more that you want to do um, so I'd say that that's is it that the people or that the cheesemakers find it tough to uh, to give you their time more, or is there is there a big cost for them like to be a member of the guild? Is that what, or is it both? Membership in the guild is not at all expensive, especially given what you get for it. Um, I feel like the Vermont Cheese Council really offers enormous benefits, particularly for cheesemakers who may be just starting out or um, in need of help, um, guidance, education. Um, one of the big projects that we've been doing for the last couple of years is helping to get our producers to be a part of the ACS conference and to send cheese, um, just to get that feedback and to be a, be a part of the game. 
And uh, Sue, you just you recently just just restarted uh, the Pennsylvania Cheese Guild, right? You said it was out of business for a little bit. Like, how was that? How how would you have to go through to get that back going? Well, it was interesting. Um, years be- years ago, I'm going to say fifteen. 15- Maybe 15 years ago, 12 years ago, a group of cheesemakers started the Pennsylvania Farmstead and Artisanal Cheese um, Cheese Guild and Alliance, Pafaka. 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 <laughs> and, um, you know, it rolled, it, it rolled along for, for a while, and it was... It really suffered under lack of um, involvement from other cheesemakers because Pennsylvania is a pretty big state. So a lot of dairy out there. Too. A lot of dairy. Um, we're the fifth largest dairy state in the country, so there's a tremendous amount of dairy in the state, and we, you know, and we have a lot of uh, permitted cheesemakers. We do have, I think, around 121 permits in the state. So it kind of fell off to the side, and we were really fortunate to have a great organization in the state called PASA, the Pennsylvania Association for Sustainable Agriculture, be a placeholder for the money that we had, not much of it, but what we had, and kind of keep connected with the cheesemakers until we were able to let some time go by, get some renewed energy in the state. We have so many awesome young cheesemakers up and coming. It's exciting time for us in the state. And um, we reformed a steering committee to decide what we wanted to do. It was either time to fish or cut bait. Sure. And Makes sense. that committee, <laughs> committee deci- decided to reform the Pennsylvania Cheese Guild. Yeah, I would have used another phrase there, but um, that's, uh, <laughs> well, a little more x um, Do you have the, Anthea, do you run into like the old timers versus the younger uh, the younger cheesemakers? They, do they come up against each other ever and you have to like sort that out uh, you know the good news is i don't have to play referee too often oh, that's uh, great we have uh <laughs> some pretty um for the most part cheesemakers are, are really wonderful people and in fact i think some of our more established cheesemakers have been uh, quite supportive of some of the newer cheesemakers what do you do um, in the California? Uh, what does the what does the guild do most to uh, to connect with the community? You know, like um, I know in Vermont you have the Vermont Cheesemakers Festival. We do um, indeed. And, and then uh, in, in PA, what do you got going on? Well, we're one of the things we're starting out that we're excited. We're we're taking a um, page out of the Main Cheese Guild, and we're going to start with networking sessions at different uh, cool. creameries. So four, we're going to have four a year, and hopefully grow that. That's pretty awesome. What do you got in Cali? Uh, well, as far as uh, public outreach goes, uh, this year we have formally partnered with California's Artisan Cheese Festival, which is actually its, its own nonprofit uh, and happens every March. They're celebrating their 10th anniversary this year. Uh, so we're formally working with them with educational programming and farm tours, um, helping to recruit volunteers and, and get our guild members more engaged. And then last year, for the first year, we launched SF Cheese Fest so that we had a celebration here in San Francisco of our California cheesemakers, which also will serve to be our primary fundraiser uh, to help augment our membership dues so that we can continue to uh, have a full-time staff member and uh, expand our programming. I like that. What do you all do to work together? Like, What's the point of contact for the guilds to come together and work with each other, Sue? Well, as was mentioned by Althea, the um, ACS provides a networking um, breakfast at at the conference. That's where, your, main, your main contact well, with each other? I think it's a main contact. There's also a listserv so we can go back and ask each other questions. And, you know, the cheese community is pretty small across the country, and we know each other. Like, you know, I'm constantly reaching out to Rachel to see what she thinks about things. Um, so it's really good to know other people in the industry. 
That's great. So you guys just all sort of organically talk to one another. That's good. I want more of it. Yeah? How want, do you get there? I want more. I'm not sure. That's That just came out actually at our annual meeting at uh, the end of last month. And uh, we're really just right now brainstorming in Vermont some ways that we can make some more meaningful and uh, lucrative, perhaps, connections with the other cheese guilds and cheese councils, um, particularly in light of FDA, FSMA, food safety uh, things. Right, you all got to kind of band together to make exactly. sure everybody's doing the right thing, right? And just so that everyone has the same information. Yeah. And hopefully, again, not not recreating the same wheels. Uh, work with you know. When you say together. that, you mean you're all making so that you're making different types of cheese, or you're all so that you're. <laughs> oh, that's a sinister laugh. <laughs> I like it, <laughs> Anthea. Who do you talk to most outside of the out of your old guild? Do you do you are you in contact with the people up in uh, in Oregon, or uh, I hear that they have a they're pretty pretty solid group up there. Yeah, uh, Katie Bray is the executive director of the Oregon Cheese Guild, and she's been a really great partner uh, from time to time. Th- their guild is, uh, in fact, cheesemaker only, so uh, we sometimes have uh, a lot of shared uh, shared ground and then also some different ground as well uh, since our membership is a little bit more diverse. That's awesome. I, what, what do you mean by that, by, by making the same? The same was, that, was I right? Did you mean my no, bad I was, joke? I, but that was great. I like the way, I like where you took that. Um, no, I just mean instead of having to reinvent things, so that if if someone is already working on um, research, uh, someone is already working on um, getting together some kind of, uh, educational opportunities, um, someone is already working on draft letters to the FDA that we communicate with one another and so that we're not all writing the same letter. That makes sense. Um, and also just sort of what is your experience? Because there have, you know, there have been very or vastly different experiences with the the wooden board issue and now with the non-toxigenic E. coli issue. Um, and just to have that communication to find out what's going on in other states, um, to learn from one another and share information and also um, we the numbers to have the numbers to actually um, have our voice and voices mean more. Yeah, when I when more I effective. think of the word guild for mm-hmm. me, I always, you know I think of like knights, you know, mm, or like uh-huh. a, you know like a, like travelers, experts that that don't necessarily. Uh, that aren't landowners, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the old school way. You know, it's like a guild of blacksmiths, guild of knights. Um, so I always think of that that's what that's what it's all about. You know, to give the small people a voice up against you know the landed gentry, and um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I wonder, you know, are is is your focus mostly on little little makers like tiny cheesemakers that might be isolated you know from the from the community those are people that you're really trying to trying to get in and what's the number like what's the maximum number cuz there is there too many people ever in the guild or is it now you can never not have yet. enough not yet um I, I don't we don't focus in Vermont anyway we don't focus just on the small scale producers but the larger producers don't need as much help and they have more community just because of their own, you know, they have their organizations. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that it's the, the smaller scale producers that need, need that community and need to have um, people to share ideas with because so many times you literally have one person in the make room. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Makes sense. Get that. (laughs) Oh, that's real bad. I've had a long day. (laughs) 
So we're going to take a short break, um, and then when we come back, I'm going to talk to these lovely ladies more about their specific cheese guilds in their states. Thanks a lot. Hang on. listening to French Entrance by Teeth People. This is Cutting the Curd. We'll be right back. Today's program is brought to you by Neil's Yard Dairy. Neil's Yard Dairy selects, matures, and sells farmhouse cheese from the UK and Ireland. They work with about 40 cheesemakers. They visit them regularly to taste their cheese and select the batches they want to mature and sell. Amongst the cheeses they select, there's a great deal of variability. Cheese can change hugely depending on how it's treated. They have a range of temperature and humidity controlled maturation facilities at their warehouse in London, run by a team who are dedicated to ensuring they sell their cheese at its best. As the cheese is maturing, they continue to taste through the stock to ensure they're aware of how it is developing over time. When the cheese is ready, their attention turns to directing the right cheese into the hands of the right customer. They have three cheese shops in London, an online shop, and they're a regular site at markets around the country and have a UK and international wholesale trade. For more information, visit nealsyarddairy.uk.co. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm uh, lucky to be here with all these lovely gals and other lovely gals on the phone uh, talking about cheese guilds. And actually, I wanted to um, address the, um, that exact thing right there. Um, so you're all you're all gals, um, Anthea, Rachel, Sue, um, and uh, what I was wondering is like, what's the what's the what's the I don't know how to say this correctly. Uh, are there more? Are there more women than men in the in the in the cheese guilds these days? What's going on, Anthea? I'm gonna throw that out there to you. As far as total membership? No, as far as the the council leadership. Oh, um, that's a yeah. good question. I uh, I can certainly tell you that you know Katie, I mentioned earlier, who's the ED of the Oregon Guild. Uh, she would join our ladies' club, um, but I don't know the I don't know the other heads well enough to really be able to comment on that. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah, I'm just running through in my head um, because some of them don't necessarily have paid positions. So it's uh, a matter of a board of cheesemakers. And I'm not trying to think. I don't know. I don't know offhand. I was actually thinking more about the number of cheesemakers and more ladies, more gentlemen. And in Vermont, Uh it's a pretty, pretty good split an even split i don't know about even but it's pre- pretty darn near there are an awful lot of ladies making cheese yeah what about in pennsylvania yeah in pennsylvania i think you know we have the plain community the amish community in pennsylvania well, right. which which they hold a tremendous amount of the permits so a lot of them that that's a male world for them just it is patriarchal patriarchal um but i can't underestimate the power of women <laughs> you know you know women are doers yeah <laughs> you are um, just had to say it <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing I, I i mentioned very briefly and uh, rachel and i were talking about during the break is um when i when i mentioned the guild 
you know, and what I think of as the guild, you know, as uh, as those knights um, together against not against, but as a as a way to um, to get their services up against you know the gentry. And you uh, you had some opinion on that that I thought was really interesting, and and maybe you thought it was a little different. Uh, yeah, I just I was thinking more of a guild as a way to pass on um, information, experience, uh, the the idea of apprenticeships, the idea of really getting formal training and spending some time, you know, learning your chops before before you actually take charge. And they do have that. There's a, a system of apprenticeship uh, in Wisconsin, but I think that's the only state in the U.S. that has that. Um, Anthea, you don't have that out there in California, do you? Not yet, no. You thinking of putting it in? I think that it's an invaluable service for younger cheesemakers who, who aspire to have their own creamery or to really make cheesemaking a profession. Um, and unfortunately, it, it's not something that we offer in any sort of um, outlined way at this point. It's really sort of case-by-case potential candidates reaching out to individual cheesemakers, or sometimes those requests come through me, uh, through the Guild website, or or by email, and and me sort of passing those on to cheesemakers. But but there's no formal framework right now. What do you think about that? Well, that's a subject that really gets me excited. Um, I would love, maybe not such a formal apprenticeship in Pennsylvania, but I would really love to see us institute a, a mentorship where, you know, a young cheesemaker would get paired with another cheesemaker and just have somebody to bounce ideas off of, be encouraged by, to bring along, you know, because that's our role to help each other, I think. I mean, there's the more the tide rises, the better well, that, it is for yeah, all. It floats all the boats. Yeah. Do you think that that's the way it's going? And is that one one of the missions you had in rehabbing the? Well, we've talked about go. that for sure. You know, we've got a we've got some ways to go. We're so brand new. We just had our very first annual meeting this past January. Um, but I think that we can make anything happen. And you got to do that because you know, as we were discussing earlier in the day, like we're in this like really nice golden age of of artisan cheese making i feel like you know and everybody's within age to do it you know and you're in the first generations except there's a lot of young makers but that that apprenticeship is important to passing the craft along and making sure that you know 20 30 40 years down the line that there's those cheeses those wonderful american cheeses are still made and i i when i think of the of I guess when I think of the guild, I think of that as it's one of its main functions mm-hmm. to perpetuate the good things that are that are viable, going on. Yeah, yeah. To make viable businesses. Yeah. All right. I wanted to ask you, you guys each a each a uh, not a pointed question, but a specific <laughs> question. So I would say, Anthea, for you, what is the biggest strength and weakness of the California uh, Artisan Cheese Guild? Um, I would say the the biggest strength is that we we really. Um, made a huge stride in communicating with our membership um, since we've been able to have somebody uh, full-time who's able to respond to those inquiries. And uh, I started sending out a, a weekly Friday email uh, to members every Friday with, with job postings from within the membership uh, and opportunities that come along uh, to participate. I think that's going really well. Uh, I think a, a big challenge for us, and I know for other guilds as well, is just continuing to make sure that we have long-term financial stability, um, and, and we're still working on that. Awesome. Makes sense. Rachel, what about Vermont? Uh, gosh, the biggest strength is uh, the numbers, the the length of time that we've been around, and so many of our – I mean, we, there are a good 15, 20 
maybe even more, 25 members that have been a part of the organization for at least 10 years. So we have some some very um, talented and established cheesemakers. Um, we are very lucky to have some big-name cheesemakers who, who bring a lot of um, attention to our state and um, by dint offer attention to the the small-scale producers who maybe don't have an opportunity to get out and uh, to the other side of the country. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would say it's the folks. Um, The the biggest difficulty or a challenge, I would say, not even difficulty, is the very same thing. It's it's figuring out um, how much you can do uh, with what you have. With the amount of money that you yeah, have? With, well, with the amount of money, with the resources total. So that's sure. both the human, human capital and a financial capital. Uh, so, yeah. How do, you, how do you do everything you want to do? And sometimes beyond that, it's how do you figure out what it is that you, that you want to do? Maybe you don't do everything. Sure. You're going to, have to, to narrow your focus. Yeah. Uh, give yeah. a direction to mm-hmm. everybody can get on board with. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. What about you, my friend? Well, for us in Pennsylvania, I mean, it is an exciting time with this new guild. I think one of the biggest challenges is it's like we need to do a really good job and do the good work and the people will join. You know, sure. if we set a great precedent, precedence, that'll be fantastic. And Pennsylvania, a lot is happening. We have a brand new um, cheese competition, two years old uh, in the state, and a lot of excitement from cheesemakers for that. We're fortunate to have Vermont to the north and Massachusetts and to have people where we can look and see what they've done so that we can sort of pattern ourselves but, but make it our own. Um, the challenge is a big state, and I think the human capital, you know, for cheesemakers to have the time. Um, but as we all know, you really get back what you put into something. And so I would encourage members to really get involved because Amen. it will fill you up in ways that yeah. you do not know are possible. <laughs> like that. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you guys are great. <laughs> I mean, you gals are great. Or something, right? right? That that right? You got it. <laughs> well, uh, thanks to all of you, you know, guys, for coming on. But I wanted to mention something um, before we leave, you know, that um, I thought was really important. Um, you know, today the FDA submitted a statement, you know, addressing the industry concerns over newly enforced limits on non-toxigenic E. coli and raw milk cheese. In the statement, the FDA announced that it is in the process of pausing its testing program for non-toxigenic E. coli in cheese. Um, the FDA stated that it will be reevaluating its approach to testing for non-toxinogenic E. coli within the overall framework of the Food Safety Modernization Act, including assessing whether it's appropriate to have single criterion for non-toxinogenic E. coli in both raw and pasteurized milk cheeses. Um, we're pleased the FDA expressed its respect, you know, for this, and um, I really, I think that's pretty awesome stuff. Um, and uh, you know, I wanted to th- just throw out there as a sort of final, uh, final question. Um, you know, how you know how does this? Uh, you know, this this has a lot to do with uh, with the work that you do at, in the Vermont Cheese Guild and um, and in pa- Pennsylvania and California. So, uh, you know, big ups to you. And uh, but, what are your thoughts on that? You must be really, uh, really relieved. Uh, well, I I am really glad to hear that. Maybe that's that, the wrong word. Really well, need, but. I'm just glad to hear that the FDA is listening to the cheesemakers, to the industry folk who have put a great deal of effort into communicating their concerns um, and their interest in this, and just to make sure that we that any decisions that are made are science based. 
Yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah. What do you think there, Sue? Well, first of all, I think there's so many people across the country that we really have to thank for this work. You know, ACS being involved, you know, Old Ways Cheese Co- Coalition with Carlos, and certainly to Mateo up there at Jasper Hill for lighting a fire under, you know, so many of the representatives and senators who came together and sent that letter. I mean, it's exciting and I mean, we need to thank them for that work because without their impetus, you know, I don't think that this would have come to fruition. And interestingly enough, within a month of us releasing the Pennsylvania Cheese Guild, we have an FDA office right in Philadelphia. And, and um, they reached out to our guild and said, hey, we're here. How can we work with you? Oh, wow. You know, we really want to, to – could we do a session where we, we could walk you through what to expect for an inspection? So I think that's a little bit of a change. Mm-hmm. You know, it might scare people, but I think we need to build some bridges and some relationships. So, I totally agree. Anthea, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would echo the sentiments already shared by your two guests and, and – Thank all the folks who, who really rallied the troops and gathered statements and, and, and just spread the news about what was happening. And, and it didn't stay sort of quietly in one chamber in Washington, D.C., but, but the information spread was incredible. And, uh, you know, I thank Nora ACS for, for reaching out to the guild to help gather statements and participation for cheesemakers on Thursday in person. Uh, and I know that there are a lot of a lot of our maker members whose livelihood depend on the safe production of raw milk cheeses who are who are very relieved that that this dialogue seems to be moving forward uh, with perhaps more understanding than in the past. That's well said. Well said. Really? And can I just add that it's um, important for us not to rest on our loyal laurels mm. at this point. Um, it's wonderful that that we have been able to have this impact. That there is uh, communication going in in more than one direction. Um, but we need to stay on it. We need to uh, be aware. Keep communicating. Um, keep um, making sure that we are doing what we can do. But also, uh, really. I would like to see some of that research, some of the science, um, and it's going to take the cheesemakers um, encouraging and taking part and being willing to share information in order for us to to actually get some fact-based, some science. (laughs) Right on. Well, um, that's all I got for today. I want to thank um, all three of you for participating in this awesome discussion. And then I want to throw out um, uh, a final farewell and thank you to our engineer, Liz, who is uh, moving on from the Heritage Radio Network. We love her so much. Uh, Thanks for all your help. Um, She's the best. Um, Thanks for tuning in to Cutting the Curd, and we'll be back next week with more cheesy stuff. Take care. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.